Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. This is a podcast from HSBC Global Research, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Search for HSBC Global Viewpoint or join us via the HSBC Global Banking and Markets page on LinkedIn. However you're listening, analyst certifications, disclosures and disclaimers must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. Welcome to Under the Banyan Tree, where we put Asian markets and economics in context. I'm Fred Newman, Chief Asia Economist at HSBC. My guests today are Evan Lee, Head of Energy Transition Research for Asia Pacific here in Hong Kong, and Corey Chan, Head of Asia Industrials and Renewables Research at our mainland Chinese joint venture, HSBC Tianhai Securities, just over the border in Shenzhen. On today's show, we're talking China's solar power industry, which has seen both massive rise in output and at the same time a dramatic fall in share prices. Meanwhile, China is on course to blast past its clean energy goals, smashing records in 2023. Stay with us for all the details from HSBC Global Research. This is Under the Banyan Tree. Let's begin with some facts and figures to put the topic in perspective. According to the U.S.-based NGO Global Energy Monitor, China is on track to nearly double its wind and solar capacity by 2025 from today's levels, blowing past the government's official green power target nearly five years early. Back in 2020, President Xi set a goal of 1,200 gigawatts of solar and wind capacity by 2030. For context, that's enough to power approximately 900 million homes for a full year. But Global Energy Monitor's report says capacity will be at well over 1,300 gigawatts by 2025, not 2030. Meanwhile, on a global level, the International Energy Agency says investments in solar energy in 2023 should surpass spending on oil production for the first time. Let's bring in our experts and dig a little deeper into the China solar story. Evan and Corey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Evan, let me let me start off with you. Um, these are mind-blowing numbers. China is really planning to invest even more than we thought a couple of years ago. How much money is really being poured into this sector? Give us a sense of the scale of investment that's going in the solar area right now in mainland China. Obviously, we're talking about billions of uh, dollars that's been invested into this space. China is about one-third of global solar installation every year. Basically, on the demand side, China would account for about 30 to 40 percent of solar power capacity being installed globally. And it seems like the mix is increasingly going to be enlarged as China continues to put more investment into solar. Uh, but if we think about on the supply side, uh, China accounts for almost roughly anywhere between 60 to 80% of the products along the solar equipment supply chain of the world, meaning that a majority of the solar uh, material uh, wafers and panels that we see today are being manufactured locally in China. So that, that, that suggests we couldn't really have a green energy transition without solar panels from mainland China. Those are impressive statistics on the supply side. Uh, Corey, let me, let me bring you in here. 
Um, why is it that China is so dominant in terms of the production of solar cells? Is it um, have they you know invented uh, kind of the, the, the best technology, or what, what accounts for, for really China's dominance in the global supply chain for solar panels? Firstly, uh, China is uh, dominant, you know, along the supply chain. Uh, so it accounts for about ninety uh, percent of global's uh, polystyrene production, ninety-seven percent of the global's wafer production, and almost seventy-five uh, percent of the global's uh, module production. Uh, so from the upstream to downstream, we have uh, already formed a very uh, complete supply chain. And secondly, although there has been some technology which was uh, invented elsewhere globally, uh, it was uh, bring into China to commercialize. Uh, that is uh, to you know achieve a mass production. By achieving a mass production, obviously you reduce the cost uh, further. So that's uh, in the last decades actually the cost of solar uh, has been down by about ninety percent, mainly because of this uh, ability to commercialize the full supply chain uh, and able to make uh, the solar panels uh, more economic uh, than it was uh, before. So, so, Corey, you really highlight these, uh, in part, the economies of scale that drive down prices. China is a big market, and therefore they have huge companies. They're very, very competitive in this space. Um, but let's talk a little bit about China's domestic energy system first. Uh, Evan, how important is solar today for China's energy generation domestically? Today, uh, solar is about 7-8% of total power supply, still quite small. Even together with wind, it's roughly about 14, 15% of total power supply. Compared to developed markets like Japan, uh, the US, or most parts of Europe, that ratio is still quite small. But just bear in mind that it took about roughly five years to get from two to 3% for wind and solar overall to now 14, 15% in total within a rather short period of time. That's quite impressive. So it's a very it's a huge buildup, but it's still not really the bulk of China's energy generation. It's still you know, but you said fourteen, fifteen percent, um, Corey. But isn't it true that actually um, the amount of capacity that we have in China exceeds the actual usage because we have a lot of solar panels around, but they're not all hooked up to the grid in China. Uh, yes, that's the case. Actually, if you look at the, the grid spending, the grid spending hasn't uh, increased as much as the solar installations. So there has been some uh, delay, especially given COVID and uh, some other issues. Uh, the grid spending, the increase did not uh, catch up the increase in terms of solar installations. We do expect that uh, there could uh, cause uh, some kind of constraint. It's not just in China, but also the same uh, in other parts of the world. So, so when we hear these statistics that by 2025 China will install, you know, another was it 12, 1300 um, gigawatt in solar power? D does that mean it's all going to be connected, or is this just putting it in the desert and it's not really generating electricity? We think that will be eventually connected. So that means uh, actually you also need to spend more in terms of grid spending. But at the at the moment, uh, what you just said is true. You know, some solar panels uh, has been put there, but uh, not able to connect to the grid. So we're going to see more connection. And um, Evan, you said we're going to see obviously the share of solar contribution to China's overall energy continue to increase. 
Um, now, in, in Western economies, we often have people installing solar panels on the roofs, and it's not just the big utility companies that are building solar parks, but it's also, you know, the average person down the street who's actually building, uh, you know, putting up solar panels. Do we see a similar process in China, or is it just giant companies that are kind of setting these massive solar parks? So there are two types of uh, mainstream demand. Um, obviously, the utilities are building a lot of big-scale solar projects, and that's been very consistent. That investment has been going on for years. But what's been ramping up really quickly over the last year or two is, is this uh, rooftop applications to both residential and commercial users putting on solar panels on top of the roof. Just bear in mind, a lot of the um, people they don't live in houses, but in apartment buildings. So one of the biggest uh, customer for buying these panels will actually be you know commercial users, including like shopping malls and warehouses. Where they could utilize their uh, empty rooftops for solar applications, that power being generated will be for self-use, and extra could be dispatched to the power grid. And w where do you see then the share of uh, solar power in overall general usage go in the next few years? You said 14, 15 percent now. W where do we see that go uh, in 2025, 2030? Is it going to be 50 percent as high as that? Um, just to clarified, the 14-15% solar and wind combined. Uh, obviously, we do think that renewables, just for solar and wind uh, together, it's going to grow very quickly. And uh, our projection is to hit beyond 20% within the next uh, eight years, and then uh, it will continue to grow onwards. So that, that is a, a still a massive incremental addition of, of power in, in, in China from renewables. Um, and, and, and Corey, China is a trailblazer in many ways for a turn of energy installment. Um, can you take a step back and just, just explain to us, um, you know, what's the, the overall roadmap that the Chinese government has in mind here? Why this emphasis on this? Um, is, is, is it really to wean the country off of energy imports, for example? Is it environmental concerns? Is it just the cost efficiency? Um, what's the what's the main thinking behind this this massive solar drive and and also I guess wind uh, wind uh, um, drive as well. Uh, so first of all, uh, in the long term, uh, there is a uh, ambition of uh, green energy to be integrated uh, with grid to reduce uh, the carbon emissions uh, for the whole country. And uh, secondly, uh, if you look at the sharper reduction of uh, the solar module prices, solar power is currently on parity with other traditional energy like uh, coal power uh, in China. So actually, the economics uh, also makes uh, the solar more attractive comparing with uh, the fossil fuels. Uh, so these uh, factors has uh, driven the solar installations uh, in China. Well, this is a great time to take a quick break. And when we'll come back, we're going to ask why Chinese solar share prices have come down and what China's solar transition means for the global energy space. Corey, this is a, this is a, a, a big push into solar. Uh, we have massive investment coming through in order to realize that. And yet, um, I'm, as, I'm an economist, but I'm told that the equity prices of these companies that are involved are actually not doing too well in, in China overall. The, the, the main solar players uh, have seen share prices decline. Can you give us a sense of why is it, Corey? Is it just, just uh, massive competition and um, thin margins? Or why, why is, are the companies not benefiting necessarily? 
so first of all, uh, the demand uh, does uh, grow strongly, uh, but what uh, has been growing strongly is also the supply. Uh, so the shortfall is mainly due to the issue of uh, overcapacity. Uh, so we see that uh, uh, polycyclic prices uh, were down by about 70% year-to-date, and the wafer prices were down by about 40% year-to-date. And uh, in both segments, uh, we see capacity rising meaningfully this year uh, for the whole market. So we've oversupply, uh, and that's pushing the squeezing margins of the players. But, but surely, Evan, that's good for global solar installations. That means the cheap panels for years to come. And does that mean we're really going to see an acceleration, not just in China, of uh, build of solar, but really across the world? Because China is such a big supplier of these components. That's exactly what uh, we've been you know, estimating. And that further to what Corey's explained, the cost of solar has gone down quite a lot. Over the last 10 years, it's gone down 90%. And with that much capacity in the system, we do believe that the cost overall will continue to drop. And it's more competitive against traditional energy, including coal, oil, and gas. So you're quite right, because not just China is adding a lot of solar panels. Globally, we're seeing Europe and the US going on acceleration on the renewable energy uh, capacity growth, as well as a lot of emerging markets, including South America and Africa as well. That's obviously tremendous news from an environmental standpoint. Um, Corey, can I just ask you, you're very close to the industry. Are there also improvements in technology that we can expect? So we have cheap panels coming out, we can install them, but um, surely we're not at the end of the journey in terms of technology improvements. Maybe these, these panels will get even more efficient over time? Yes, uh, you are very right. Uh, efficiency for those uh, solar cells is also increasing over time. Currently, we are in the process uh, of switching uh, from the uh, old generation of cell technology to the new generation of cell technology. So that means uh, on average, uh, the solar panels uh, can generate about 3 to 5% more power versus uh, solar panels uh, that uh, are put in the place uh, you know, one to two years ago. Uh, so if uh, this kind of uh, efficiency improvement continues, basically you don't need to spend uh, you know, further on the same product, but uh, you can have uh, 10%, 20%. Uh, higher power generation uh, from the uh, solar panels uh, in place. So that will effectively reduce uh, the cost per kilowatt hour basis will be much lower. Well, gentlemen, this is an absolutely breathtaking development in the solar industry. Uh, China is leading really the world in this um, and China's own investment is is benefiting really the rest of the world through the decline in prices and and the uh, cheap panels that are really available. Um, but but Evan, not one last question for you. We're installing all this uh, capacity, but we're still left with the problem of storage, don't we? We the sun the sun doesn't shine twenty four hours a day. Um, do you see advances there coming through? What are sort of preferred solutions? Do we have battery new batteries coming online, or what? What do you sort of count on to to make really to to leverage that solar generation? You're quite right, because we've been talking about energy transition quite a lot for the last three years, ever since obviously China and the rest of the world have been setting these big targets for carbon neutrality. But one of the biggest enablers, as we do see now, is storage, as you mentioned. So without proper energy storage, basically you can't really make use of solar panels during nighttime where there's no sunshine. So uh, the investment you know, going into storage is also in 
even greater acceleration, as we do see. In our view, sort of, you know, the game for storage is still catching up, and we just hope that it could catch up quick enough so that they could enable us to get to the renewable energy capacity targets as we want them to be in by 2030, 2050. Well, that reminds us plenty to do. We have uh, obviously made enormous strides in solar energy, um, but obviously it's a much more complex issue to rewire the global energy system. Um, but it sounds like we're well on the way. So thank you, Corey and Evan, for joining us under the Benny Entry and um, hope to bring you back in the near future to talk again about uh, some of the latest developments in China's solar market. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Many thanks for listening. And if you're a global research client, do check out both Evans and Corey's latest reports on solar in China and the wider Asia region. Both reports were published this week alongside the Global Solar Thematic Report from Sean McLaughlin, who heads our industrial team in London. That's it from all of us here in the Banyan Tree. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.